Tom Bernard Show with Andy Brant Bernard and Mike Molina. Special guest Robert Crane coming up this hour, Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant. Bradshaw and Brian. Due to the billions of marketing dollars spent by Walzer Automotive on Tom Bernard Podcast, you hopefully know that Walzer sells cars. What you might not know is that they also have two full-service collision repair centers in the Twin Cities. They're fully certified by all insurance carriers and can help you navigate all the paperwork if you ever have an accident. But wait, there's more. They've also been in the paintless dent repair business for nearly 30 years and can take those pesky dings out for just a fraction of what traditional bodywork costs. Broken windshield? Walzer Collision is a fleet of full-service mobile glass repair trucks as well. Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at walzercollision.com. Do you think they're ever going to come back to town again? Do you think ELO will come back to town? I don't know. That Jeff Lynn, I guess you never know what he's up to. You never know what he's up to. That's exactly Then again, your exactly buddy, the Fornicator, is right. in town tonight. Who's that? Robert Plant. Oh, the Fornicator's in town tonight. That's right. He's at the Orpheum, isn't he? Yep. <laughs> we'll see that. It'll be good. Why are people at Parks and, Rec's, uh, Park, Parks and Rec upset when it's not even on, t- on TV anymore? Amy Poehler is no fan of the NRA, so she and her Parks and Recreation colleagues were less than pleased when the organization used a GIF showing Poehler's character from the show. Thank you for being the voice of over 5 million hashtag NRA members. Uh, the NRA's official account tweeted to Dana Lesh, the organization's spokesperson, Wednesday night alongside a GIF of Poehler's character saying, Thank you. Parks and Recreator Michael Schur Quickly responded Variety Reports, Hi, please take this down. I would prefer you not use a GIF from a show I worked on to promote your pro-slaughter agenda. He tweeted, Also, Amy isn't on Twitter, but she texted me a message. Can you tweet the NRA for me and tell them I said F off? (laughs) So she's a little upset, apparently. I wonder if they realize that that makes it like 100,000 times less likely for them to take it down. There's no question about it, and I would never have known about it had they not complained about it. Yep. I would have never heard about this. I think a lot of times just ignoring things like that is the route to take, Andy. I think you're right about that. Just ignore it. It'll go away. They don't own clips from the show anyway. The only people who really could say take that down would be NBC. And I don't think a a two-second GIF is long enough for the NBC. Oh, is it GIF? I thought it was GIF. It's really either. It doesn't really matter. But um, I don't think even NBC would have the authority to tell them to take it down because it's such a short little thing that it doesn't even qualify as, you know, IP theft or anything. Right. So it's like, you know, it's just, I don't know. it's, It's very entitled, I think, to think that you can tell someone, don't use a little clip from the show that I worked on a long time ago. Nick Offerman and Adam Scott, Polar's co-stars on the show, then chimed in. Mashable reports, our good-hearted show, and especially our Leslie, is it Leslie Nope? 
Yep. So it is Leslie Nope. Mm-hmm. Represent the opposite of your pro-slaughter agenda, Offerman tweeted, referring to Polar's character. Take it down and also please eat Shiite, if you know what I'm saying. Hey, at NRA, please stay the F away from Leslie Nope, Scott tweeted. As of late Thursday morning, the NRA's tweet remained up with more than 6,000 likes and 1,500 retweets. Just what you said, Andy. The fact that they made, a, made something of it just made it bigger. How can they be, like, in the public eye, and all of them are at least in their 40s, and yet they somehow don't know better than to do this? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, people do send me tweets all the time, negative tweets about me. They send them to me going, look what this person said. I couldn't care less. I don't know them. I don't care what they think of me. And if I were uh, Amy Poehler... And they said, oh, look at your characters, all pro-NRA. It's a character. It's not me. I don't care. I don't know you, and I don't care. And I don't know, this this pro-slaughter. Do you really think that anybody is pro-slaughter? Do you think that's a bit too harsh? Yeah, seriously. And um, yeah, the fact that they use that language makes them look even more childish. This is the kind of thing that I would expect from, like, a 14-year-old. Yeah, I just don't think it's a good idea. I I agree with you. Just ignore it, and it goes away much more quickly. Had they ignored it, we would have never known about this story. It would have never popped up on Newser, and I'd have never known about it. So, and I don't think anybody really believes that Leslie Nope exists. So, therefore, who cares? But but seriously, about that whole Twitter thing—the people that love to go on there and bash this and bash that—who cares? I don't know you. I couldn't give a rat's ass what you think of me or anybody I know. I don't care. Rip away. Go ahead. Right? It doesn't affect me personally. But people do. I don't know why they do it. They love to send me negative tweets about me or negative posts about me on Facebook. I don't care. You can keep sending them. That's fine. Um... You know, the pro the pro stuff is nice, and you hope it's genuine and all the rest of it. Uh, the people that can't stand the show or can't stand me, well, F off. I don't care. You don't like the show? Leave me alone. Go away. Right? Or if you don't want to leave me alone, you can still just go away. It really does not. This would not have affected Amy Poehler in any way, shape, or form. But by acknowledging it, now everybody knows about it. Right? Right. Yes. Yep. What the hell did you guys both you know fall asleep on? Rhetorical question is. <laughs> yes, I do. I know exactly. <laughs> Listen, to you. Jay, shut up, Andy. Do you know what a rhetorical question is? You see what he runs by. You see the disrespect. Oh, I want to cover that Melania's parents story. That's that's an interesting take on this whole chain migration situation. <laughs> President Trump has railed against so-called chain migration, more commonly called family reunification. No, it's not called family reunification. Newser made that up. The visa process by which green card holders or legal residents in the United States can bring family members over from their home countries, per NPR. But now the focus is turning to how the First Lady's parents came to the U.S., Victor and Amalia Navis, or Navs, Uh, now have legal permanent residency here, reports the New York Times, and they're close to obtaining their citizenship, sources tell the Washington Post, which notes that permanent residents usually need to wait five years before they can become naturalized. Both their immigration lawyer and a spokesperson for Melania Trump declined to offer details on how and when they became lawful U.S. residents, citing their privacy. Under the process currently in place, an American citizen can apply to have his or her parents, siblings, and adult married kids come to the U.S. Trump wants to restrict that to just parents and children under the age of 21. Melania's parents may have come in via an investment or work visa, but experts say sponsorship by Melania, who became a U.S. citizen in 2006, would have been the easiest way to bring her parents over from Slovenia. That would be the logical way to do it, the preferred way to do it, and possibly the only way to do it under the facts that I know, an immigration attorney tells the Post. And it's also fairly routine. A UCLA immigration law professor notes to the Times, adding that it only becomes sensitive if her husband is taking a position against this. 
Uh, questions have also arisen in the past about Melania's own transition from immigrant to U.S. citizen. So now we're going to argue about Melania, Melania being a U.S. citizen. We also, the past president went through the whole birther thing about how he wasn't really born in the United States and therefore he's not really a citizen and therefore he can't really be president. They're never going to give up on that either side, are they? Nope. It's going to be, you're not a real president. You're not a real citizen. Well, you're not a real citizen either. Your wife's not a real citizen and her parents certainly. Would you let it go? Good God. I mean, Trump was a big uh, birther, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. yeah. He thought that uh, Barack Obama was born in Nigeria or something. No. Oh, excuse Kenya. Me. Kenya. That's right. It was Kenya. thought he was born in Kenya. So, uh, seriously, would you come up with something else in your life to entertain you. Calm down. Everything will be fine. Don't worry about a thing. Or to give a crap about. It's like, what? just live your life. I mean, man, just people. That's what I would say. Just live your life. Everything will be fine. Desperate to be able to say gotcha to Trump that this is what they're going after. They're going after what if we can prove that, you know, Melania was, uh, she got here from ways that Trump, you know, doesn't agree with. Yeah, but you know but, what? You know, even if she did, yeah. that was a long time ago. Things change. Yeah, the law that was the law of the day, so I don't understand what your argument is. Does anyone understand what your argument is? I never understood what Trump's argument was about Barack Obama being a birther, uh, being born in some other country, and therefore he couldn't be president of the United States. Why did, why did he care so much about that? You weren't going to get him pulled from being president of the United States, right? Why did you care so much? People think impeaching the president is a lot easier than it is. Well, and even if the president gets impeached, doesn't mean he's going to be taken from office, taken out of office. Richard Nixon was, but Bill Clinton was not. He was impeached, but he wasn't taken out of the presidency. I I just, Mm -mm. I don't know. It just seems so odd to me that people have this convoluted and kind of weird view of how life really works. Don't you think? You really think that's how life works, is just if you bitch enough, you'll get your way. Well, well, it works when you're a kid, and a lot of these people never grow up. I suppose. I suppose you're right about that, that it just, uh, you know, when you're a little kid, sometimes in some people's lives, it actually does work, and therefore, they just don't give up on it. I, I Once again, ladies and gentlemen, why you care so much about people you don't even know, I will never understand. Oh, they're, they, they're harmful. How are they harmful to you? If you ignore them, who cares? But see, you know, you know who I think is leading that parade? Is Hollywood. And that Amy Poehler story is a perfect example. If Hollywood had ignored that, we wouldn't even have known about it. But they think they can do it all because they're so important and they're so famous and they're such big deals that they think their opinion matters on everything and therefore they must state their opinion so you, as a member of the proletariat, learn something because they're actually better than we are. Do you think they believe that? I think our guest is on. Well, he's trying to call in. He's calling in right now. I don't think he's on we yet. Still, we're still having phone issues. Yeah, he's going he's gonna, to – he just didn't want to disconnect line one during the show. I don't know why, but he didn't want to do that. So, like I said, we're, oh. we're moving offices, and we're getting all new phone equipment. Thank God. It's just – the building's too old. It just doesn't work. You know we what I mean? We rewire it, but I don't oh, think they're no, going to – That's not going to really work either. Is Robert ready to go? Yep. Robert, how are you? Good. How are you? Not too bad. Things are going along pretty well. We're just kind of trying to figure out what's wrong with the world. That's about it. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck to all of us. That's all I have to say, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Robert, hey, but, uh, c- congratulations to uh, some of your Minnesota Gophers who were on the women's uh, gold medal hockey team last night. Wasn't that wonderful? The women's wow. gold medal hockey what a team. Game. Did you see the Canadian woman? They put the silver medal around her neck and she took it off immediately. No. <laughs> yes, she did. She didn't want to wear a silver medal. She was too upset. She was Oh wow. She was on the team in 2014 when Canada won the gold and apparently the gold was all she was about to uh 
to accept. She wasn't about uh, accepting anything less than the gold medal, so she took it off the second they put it around her neck. Yeah, we had six wow. former gophers on that team last night. Or this morning, I should say. Six former gophers. Yeah. yeah it's Fantastic. all true. So, Robert, where do you live? I live out in Los Angeles. So you do live in Los Angeles. Uh, the book is called Crane, Sex, Celebrity, and My Father's Unsolved Murder. On June 29, 1978, Bob Crane, known to Hogan's Heroes fans as Colonel Hogan, was discovered brutally murdered in his Scottsdale, Arizona apartment. His eldest son, Robert Crane, our guest today, was called to the crime scene. You were actually called to the crime scene, Robert. Well, uh, let me back up a little bit. I'll try to make this as brief as possible. Um, I got my stepdad, actually, Chuck, got a call from my dad's attorney who said, can you have Bobby, that's me, Bobby, call us as soon as possible. I was driving my grandmother, my dad's mom, to my mom and stepdad's house. It's so long, boring story. Sorry. As soon as I got there, Chuck, my stepdad, said, hey, get in here. you got to make a phone call. Very serious look on his face. He always has a great smile. I went in. I called the attorney. The attorney said, there's a rumor your dad's been shot. I am going to Phoenix. Do you want to go with me? And I go, Absolutely. We went to Burbank Airport, got on a plane, went to Phoenix. By the time we arrived, uh, Detective uh, Barry Vassal with the uh, Scottsdale Police Department turned around the car and said, i got to tell you, Mr. Crane is dead. So this had happened about 12 to 15 hours earlier in the day. Now, this is 1978, so this is before social media, you know, tweeting and Facebooking and all that stuff, no instant news. So nobody knew anything except the police and the uh, woman who found my dad. So what in in terms of being called to the crime scene, it was an elective thing. I wanted to go there and be the eyes and ears for my family. Mm-hmm. And when we got to the crime scene, of course, my dad's body was gone. It was taken oh, away. Oh, okay, good. Uh, but they did let us walk through the apartment. I mean, this is pre-DNA and uh, pre-police procedural TV show. And we're touching stuff along with all the other police that are standing around smoking. You know, it was unbelievable. Amazing. We need to take a very quick break. Robert Crane with us. We'll be right back in just a couple of minutes. Tom Bernard Show. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about MyPillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first MyPillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. MyPillow is offering more than 50% off his four-pack special, which includes two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. This is Tom, and I've been telling you how easy it has been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. My goal has been to lose 92.5 pounds. Well, I've started up another round at the new Nutramost Plymouth location, and I can't wait to shed those extra unwanted pounds. Nutramost is unlike any other weight loss program. It's just so easy, and they guarantee that you will lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. The team at Nutramost in Plymouth will support you every step of the way on your wellness and weight loss journey. Then, after you hit your goal, Nutramost in Plymouth is there for you with the Nutramost Forever Plan, an all-inclusive wellness program that improves and promotes healthy living and choices. Nutramost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Nutramost Plymouth, located just off Highway 55 and 494. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. We are back at the Tom Bernard Show, ladies and gentlemen. The book is called Crane, Sex, Celebrity, and My Father's Unsolved Murder. Robert Crane, our special guest, the son of Bob Crane. Hogan's heroes, of course. Um, 
It's interesting reading your bio, Robert, and I do want to get back to the uh, back to the story at hand. But a lot of a lot of trauma and tragedy in your life, whether it be your father or John Candy or people that you really thought a great deal of, uh, I, you've had some pretty pretty rough waters to swim uh, throughout your life, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. There, there have been some uh, curves in the road, as they say, but uh, just keep going. You know, you, you have to make uh, uh, choices all the time. We always, all of us, come to the forks in the road, and you know, you got to keep the going along on the on the right fork and the, the one that where you try not to repeat mistakes over and over and over. So that that's what I've followed. Uh, but yeah, everybody has deaths in their family and mm-hmm. uh, and friends and. And that you know, the older I'm getting, of course, there's more and more. But uh, just keep going, keep laughing. Uh, I mentioned my uh, stepdad Chuck earlier. He just turned 90. God bless him. And he, you know, he's been on this whole sordid road with me now for the past 40 years uh, uh, regarding my dad's case. You know, it's amazing. Uh, I. Um one of my favorite uncles, as a matter of fact, was murdered. He was thrown off a building when I was 13 years old. Oh, God. And I remember yeah. going through that whole deal. And I, uh, the thing that bothered me the most about it, Robert, to tell you the truth, my uncle's name was Augie. He was a really good guy and got mixed up with the wrong crowd, as they say. Yeah. Uh, I think he pissed off the wrong person. And yeah. uh, he was a big guy. He was about 6'3", probably about you know 220 pounds, something like that. Uh, he he had a driver, this young woman who was his driver, but he never had a job, so I could never figure out what that was all about. <laughs> so all of a sudden, he turns up, and and I'll never forget his funeral. We're at his funeral, and I and I don't go to funerals because of this. Uh, I don't like funerals because there's my uncle dead in the in the casket, and one of my relatives leaned over and kissed him on the lips. Ooh. And I went, yeah. okay, that's that's yeah. gonna do it for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, murder is different, though. You know, having people die in your in your your life and in your family—that's a different feeling. The murder part is that feels like I I sh- I understand Robert how that does feel. It wasn't my father; it was my uncle. But still, murder is a whole different way to lose somebody. It is. It, it's shocking. And, uh, of course, uh, I'm sure like your family, my family was uh, ill-prepared for this. This was something that you just saw in the news happen to other people. Right. And then uh, when it finally happened to us, or not finally, when it happened to us, uh, it's a shock to this day. You know, we're coming up on 40 years since he uh, died. And we, my family doesn't talk about it. I don't, I don't have a... Uh, talkative family where we all sit down in a circle and hold hands or anything uh, <laughs> okay. so that's why that's why i wrote a book yeah it makes total sense now i will say this while i do share the loss of a, a relative a close relative to murder my uncle was not a celebrity so that's another part of this that's a burden yeah. for you right right yeah um you know i've got the the same first and last name I, we have different middle names mm-hmm. but um so uh, you know right after it was pretty fresh i mean uh you know i'd use a charge card on you know at a dinner or something and oh, yeah. one time i you know a guy to mexico hey i thought you were dead <laughs> oh god you know, and needless to say i didn't go back to that restaurant but uh oh, man. you know but you know things like that happen yeah, things like that do happen. It's it's unfortunate. It, the whole thing is. Uh, I do have to mention one thing that, that that you being on your career writing for for We Magazine, correct? Yeah, We yeah. Magazine, the late great We Magazine, the late yes. great We Magazine. I tell a magnificent story. Uh, at least I find it magnificent. Most people do. <laughs> I was doing iron work when I was in my early twenties. I was an iron worker, and iron workers are pretty, some pretty tough guys. Maybe some of them, not all of them, but some of them might not be the smartest people on earth. I go in the construction trailer to have lunch, and there's this big guy in there, and he's reading this magazine. Uh, and I said, "What's this? Then what do you got there?" And he goes, "Ah, it's this, this new, uh, you know, girly magazine." I said, "Oh yeah, what's it called?" And he turns it over, looks at the cover, and goes, "Oink." 
<laughs> I said, what? He goes, yeah, it's like Oink Magazine. I said, let me see the cover. I said, it's we. Oui. It means yes in French. It's not Oink. There's no N. There's no K. I will never forget that as long as I live. Oink oh, Magazine. Very good. So you worked for, I don't know if you know this, Robert, but you worked for Oink Magazine. And then yes. uh, you worked for Playboy interviewing uh, celebrities the Chevy Chase, Bruce Stern, Joan Rivers of the world. By the way, Joan Rivers one of the greatest losses in comedy ever. I adored her. Oh, she's very funny. I mean, yep. you know what? Uh, just didn't have boundaries in terms of who she went after. I mean, she went after her husband. You know, Edgar. Edgar. You know, uh, didn't matter to her. And, you know, you either... I, I I know some people who did not appreciate her humor. I, I think it was one of those things. You either got on her train or you didn't you know but uh yeah she was very funny god i was i thought she was just absolutely wonderful and i interviewed her about 50 different times oh wow she was just fantastic every time very very funny very yep. giving it wasn't like hurry up let's get this over with it wasn't like that ever at all no no very sweet very, very nice. sweet woman she was a very very sweet woman as a matter of fact yeah it's one of the yeah. reasons I, I started hating social media and commentary in newspapers because when she died uh, in the comments section of the uh, local newspaper, somebody wrote, "Thank God she's finally dead." Uh, yeah. Why? Well, you know, yeah. I don't care how much I dislike a performer. I'm not going to write, "Thank God they're dead." What the hell's wrong yeah. with you? I know. Now, I know. the book "Crane: Sex, Celebrity, and My Father's Unsolved Murder." So the murder is still unsolved. They that uh, yeah. Mr. Carpenter, John Carpenter. He went. He came and went and came and went and came and went. How did that thing end up? Well, uh, the Scottsdale Police Department, uh, Scottsdale in Arizona, uh, ill-prepared for murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were averaging what I heard about two murders a year in 1978, and totally ill-prepared for a celebrity quote-unquote oh, yeah. murder. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. It took. Uh, 14 years, excuse me, 16 years, 16 years to get Carpenter to a trial, and that went through three DAs and numerous detectives and, you know, what have you, and they they finally took him to trial, and he was acquitted. Uh, The jury just felt there was not enough presented by the prosecution. Um... And uh, that was 1994, and he passed away, Carpenter passed away uh, in 98, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. So he was acquitted. Uh, why did they think in the, in the beginning? Because he was a friend of your father's, wasn't he? Quote-unquote friend, yeah. He, right, he started right. out uh, as the local uh, uh, video salesperson. Now... We have to go back to 1965 okay. when Hogan started filming, and Richard Dawson, uh, Newkirk, the English guy in the sure. show, yep. uh, bought a reel-to-reel uh, half-inch video tape deck from Sony, and the salesperson was John Carpenter. So my dad saw this, and he said, "Oh God, I got got to get one of these. It's a reel-to-reel deck. It's a camera." and a monitor. So that was the selfie of the day. The selfie back in 1965 was to check yourself out on the monitor and be recording it with your your camera. And, uh, you know, and of course it was used for all uh, sorts of mischief by different people, including my dad. But it started out as the new home movie. You know, the Christmas opening the presents right, and, right. you know, that kind of stuff. It started off very legitimately, but then people, uh, like they do now with their uh, cell phones, uh, you know, use it for other uh, photos and other situations. They do use it for other situations. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a fan of Hogan's Heroes, I thought that show was phenomenal. I, just, I love the fact that the guys playing the Nazis, particularly Colonel Klink, I believe uh, Colonel Klink, the the actor, was Jewish, and he just yep. loved playing Colonel Klink as a moron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in fact, you know, when it got some criticism early on because some of the reviewers were 
uh, mixing a prisoner work camp with a concentration camp. Uh, this was a prisoner work camp. They, these are all prisoners right. uh, from the uh, you know different fo- Allied forces. Uh, your reference to Jewish people, many of the cast, many of the writers, directors, producers were Jewish. Right. Uh, Robert Clary, who played LeBeau, the Lebeau. French guy, yeah. still had the, the numbers, not still, he had the numbers tattooed on his arm. He was in a concentration camp during God. World War II. So, uh, you know, when they, when they criticized it first, they were, the, the reviewers, some of them, didn't know what they were talking about. Um, and these two kind of camps are very different. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, so this great show lasted six seasons, I believe, correct? Yes. I think uh, that's right. 65 through 71. 65 through 71. And it's then the original run, but it's still it's still playing. Oh, know? God, yes. It's still on. Yeah. You know, that's what I, I do love. That's one thing I love about 1,000 channels is you can pretty much find it. If you want to watch something, you can find it. Yeah. There's no yeah. question about that. So... So while this is on, while while this is, how old are you? Uh, while Hogan's Heroes is is uh, playing on television. Uh, let's see. I am thirteen through nineteen. So a pretty important time of your life. I mean, that's a very very yeah. big deal for a teenager to have. Your father yeah. was a very big star. I mean, everybody watched yeah. Hogan's Heroes. Yes. Yeah, and that was Tom. That was also back in the days of uh, you, you mentioned a thousand channels. This is three networks. Right. Know, it's ABC, NBC, and CBS. Yep. Those are your choices. So they used to get, uh, you know, on the on the hit shows back then, you would get 30 million people watching yes. you every week. God. Uh, you know, which is huge. Oh, it's huge. Uh, nowadays, I think uh, you talk about the nighttime talk shows and all the rest of it. Now, you know, sports still does very well on television. Uh, a big, big TV show now. And I mean... The biggest of the big is going to do about nine to ten million. Yeah, um, yeah. Hogan's Heroes did you know thirty, forty million. I know that uh, uh, Robin Williams. What was the name of that series he had at the very Mork, 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 yeah, Mark and, Mork Mindy. and Mindy. Seventy million people watch that show uh, off and on. Wow! So that's wow. how much it's changed. Now a talk show, the Jimmy Kimmel, uh, uh, those shows maybe do one and a half million viewers. Yeah. That's about yeah. it. Yeah, uh, that's an amazing thing. So you're 13 to 19 years old. Your dad's a, a very big deal, talented guy. Uh, everybody knows you because your name is Robert Crane. His name is Bob Crane. Yeah. Uh, and so in 1971, it ends. Are you in college at that point? I am. Yes, I, I went to USC uh, Film School. Oh, you did excellent. So you wanted to get into directing, producing. You want to get into acting. What did you want to do? Uh, yeah, I wanted to be behind the scenes. I, I knew I, I didn't have the chops for acting like my dad did, um, and I, I wanted to be behind the scenes, you know, uh, just what you said, writing or directing or, you know, shaping a, a film or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had about, your father died in 1978, so for seven years the show ends, did he want to do more acting? Did he want to do more television? Did he want to do movies? What, what, did, what did your father want to do? Do you know that? Yeah, he, he wanted to uh, continue with, uh, you know, a, maybe another series. Uh, he did a couple of movies for Disney, which were not very good. Um, I, I think he was more of a television person. He uh-huh. also kept doing radio. He, he, his career jockey, started yeah. in radio. Yep. And uh, he was he went back to doing um, occasional specials for uh, L.A. Station just for the fun of it because he loved it so much. Uh, he did get another shot at a TV series uh, for Mary Tyler Moore's company, but it was not very good. It was called The Bob Crane Show, uh-huh. and it lasted uh, 13 episodes. It was... Yeah, it wasn't great. It just was what it was. When we come back in a couple of minutes, I want to ask you about you find out your father's dead. What happens after that? Be okay. right back. More with Robert Crane and Tom Bernard Show. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you can relate to hanging out on the dock with family and friends. Let flow enhance your experience with their rock-solid dock systems. You see... 
Flo's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make. Flow boat lifts are a breeze to level using a cordless drill with their patented easy level system. Flow is about making things easy, meaning you have more time to enjoy being at the lake. Isn't that why you go there in the first place? See for yourself why they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. Visit Flow at the Minneapolis Lake Home and Cabin Show at the Convention Center February 23rd, 24th, and 25th. Be sure to ask for the show special where with a qualified purchase, you'll receive a free three-piece furniture set or a free wireless remote. And mention you heard this ad on KQ for an additional $50 off a dock or lift system. To find out more about Flow Systems, visit their website at floeintl.com. Flow Docks and Lifts, a better way. Tom Bernard here. If you're ready to sell your home, you've probably heard that you should wait until spring. But why wait for temperatures to rise when the market is hot right now? Not selling in winter is a total myth. Truth is, buyers are hungry. And while other sellers and real estate agents hibernate, the Chris Lindahl team is selling homes like hotcakes. Chris has done a great job. We have our house on the market with Chris right now, as a matter of fact. And the video he did is amazing. The Chris Lindahl team is America's number one REMAX results team for a reason. They play to win. And they've got the skill players to sell your home fast. In fact, they sell a home on average every nine hours for over the MLS average. Don't wait until spring to sell your home. Call the Chris Lindahl team at 763-401-SOLD. That's 763-401-SOLD. The first two callers will get a free staging package. This is a huge value, and it's only going to the first two Tom Bernard Show callers from this ad. That's 763-401-SOLD. Call now, get the free staging package, and grab the opportunity before winter is over. Robert Crane, our special guest on the Tom Bernard Show. Robert, I was just thinking during the break there that uh, you know when the story came out that your father had been uh, been filming, videotaping his uh, and photographing his sexual escapades. That somebody went, "Oh my God! Oh, that's so horrible!" And shortly after that, not very long after that, it became the thing to do. And now, of course, if you don't have a sex uh, sex tape up on the internet, then I guess you're kind of a loser. <laughs> how do, how did things change so much? Because people were shocked that he would. Oh my God, he he videotaped his sexual escapades. I mean, what was he thinking? Yeah, was, well, uh, I think a couple of things. Number one, you know, he was Colonel Hogan. He was the all-American guy. Yep. Who? Yeah, was that's true. Supposed to be apple pie and you know all that. Secondly, and I think most importantly, um, the. He loved still photography, he loved video tape, he loved film, whatever. And he, you know, we made uh, home movies as kids with him. You know, we did a, I was a teenager for the FBI and had sound and special effects. And all. He just loved that. Where he went wrong was uh, he started to videotape uh, women that he was with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was consensual sex from everything I've heard. Uh, there was no no drugs, no coercion, no any of that. Right. They wanted to be there because it was a treat to they thought to be with Colonel Hogan. You know, he's on the road somewhere, and and he loved women, and he probably shouldn't have been married. Uh, he was married twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem was these videos that he made were private. They were for his use and the woman that he was with. They were not supposed to be shown. What went wrong was that after he passed away, uh, his second wife, who he, uh, Patty, who he was in the middle of divorcing, took all this stuff, and when the Internet exploded, oh, yeah. put them out on the Internet. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Patty. Very yeah, good. sounds like he'd along. You get along with Patty really well. It sounds like uh, I did initially in their marriage, just because I, you know, you're you right. Know, you supportive try. of your dad and all that, and yep. then it, she basically had no room for anybody from his first family, which is, yeah, uh, you know, my family, uh, and everybody kind of fell to the wayside. And uh, right. Yeah, she she is also no no longer with us. She passed away in 07. 
But I always thought, uh, I asked the DA's office in the Scottsdale Police Department to investigate her. I mean, she, right. was, she was the right. person who gained anything by his death. Uh, they were in the middle of divorce proceedings, and uh, she got, uh, you know, a, a nice house in Westwood by UCLA. She got some life insurance policies. You know, it was not a million, multi-million dollar fortune, but it was very comfortable for its day in 1978. Right. And she got it all. Nobody else got a dime. Right, exactly. So now you find out, and you're 19... Well, let's see. Now, how old were you? So you were 27 when your father died? 27, yeah. Yeah, you're 27. So you find out, and then you find out that she, you know, that, that these videotapes are out there. And what is your opinion? Why was he killed? Do you have any idea who killed him? You said at first you thought maybe Patty was involved, and who knows? Maybe she was. Is there any clear understanding of what happened? Well, the, the means and opportunity is they say on these uh, the police procedural shows which mm-hmm. my wife and I watch all the time yeah uh, fell to John Carpenter he was in Scottsdale at the time of my dad's death he had flown in there uh, you know on a quote unquote business trip he was still selling you know video wear uh, so he would visit a city where my dad was doing a play and they would party along for a couple of days and then he would come back to LA so he was there. Uh, my dad was two weeks short of 50, which was uh, back in 78 was a big deal, 50 years old. Now I guess, you know, 70 is the new 50 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was making changes in his life. He was getting divorced. He was buying a, a house in L.A. And he told me that John Carpenter had become a burden uh to be blunt, a pain in the ass, in my dad's words. Right. Uh, he wanted to uh, hang her on. It was just, uh, he was tired of it. And I think uh, if, you know, it, it points to Carpenter, uh, it makes sense. He was there. The weapon apparently was a tripod, camera tripod, which somebody like Carpenter would think of. Uh, and it's also missing, by the way. They, they never found it. Uh, but that was the, the weapon. Um, that would go to Carpenter. So why was he found innocent of this? Uh, or not guilty, I guess is a better way to put it. Why, yeah, why? I, guess, I guess 16 years later, after the fact, mm-hmm. the, uh, the prosecution did the best they could with what they had. Uh, again, this was pre-DNA testing right um and the scottsdale police department had bungled uh many aspects of the case including uh evidence uh procuring and and you know and in keeping track of things were lost photos were lost evidence was lost you know it, it was bad it was it was andy and and barney five um and uh that was that's what was handed to the prosecution team and they tried. They did the best they could. I, I, I took the stand one day to uh, basically tell the jury what I just told you about Carpenter mm-hmm. uh, and the changes in my dad's life. And I, I looked at the jury. They wouldn't even look at me. I mean, I, I thought, uh-uh, this is a loser, a complete loser. They're, they're not buying anything that the prosecution is selling them. They're, they're almost kind of bored by this. All the talk of sex tapes and all that. Yeah, right, you know, right. It's not, it's not, it's not going well. What's and uh, there, three weeks later, uh, or it might have been six weeks. I'm, I'm off, but um, yeah, they acquitted them. They just didn't have enough beyond a reasonable doubt. It kind of amazed me watching that whole thing go on, and you know, when your father died, and and. It seemed to me the media went out of their way to try to paint your father as a bad guy for some reason. Why do yeah. you think that happened? Well, again, I, I think it was a, a feeling of a betrayal, you know, by Colonel Hogan. How could how could yeah. our trusted Colonel Hogan do this to us? You know, fool us like this. He's really not Colonel Hogan. Well, uh, basically, he was Colonel Hogan. I mean, that that was right. the role he was born to play. He was a great dad in terms of uh, just 
he would be like Hogan. Okay, this is what we're doing today. You know, making the plans. Okay, kids, we're <laughs> making this movie. You know, we're gonna. Da, da, you know, we're, we're playing baseball today. We're going to the park. You know, we're going to a Dodger game, and it was fun. He was just a fun-loving guy. Uh, as I said earlier, probably should not have been married, though. Yeah, it but, does but happen. A, but a great dad, fun. Yeah, I, I just I, I do remember seeing that whole thing. Do you think I, how? Odd that is, because you know your father's a very handsome guy, very charming guy. He's playing a role. He's doing his job. Uh, I got to believe, compared to the sexual problems that Hollywood's having today with men doing whatever they feel like doing, your father yeah. looked like a hero. Yeah, yeah. I, again, uh, from everything I've heard of, about him, it was he. He loved women. He had an appreciation of women. Right. Not, beyond objectivity. He actually had conversations with women. Uh, he worked with women, women, um, but he liked to engage in sex with mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes record it, you know. And uh, so, yeah, compared to some of the p- people we've read about today, uh, you know, there was no drugs. There was n- no coercion. There, you know, he didn't have to pay off people. It didn't happen from what I know. So, Robert, for you now, all these years later, it's 40 years later, yeah. um, are you doing what you want to do? Have you have you achieved what you want to achieve? Are there things you'd still like to do? Well, I, I've been writing. You, you alluded to uh, some of the magazines earlier. Yes. Uh, I've, I've been writing for magazines. I've written some other books as well. And uh, I love writing. Uh, I love being behind the scenes. I don't like being in front of a camera, per se, like, like my dad did. Uh, so, yes, in, in, in terms of uh, writing and writing with some other people, uh, it's been fun, and I, I've really enjoyed it, and I do enjoy it. I think it's a wonderful thing. I appreciate all your time today because oh, thanks, I'm in a situation where when, when the show hit the air, I was 13 years old. So I tune in and I'm watching the show. I think this show is absolutely hilarious because of, you know, Sergeant Schultz and Colonel Clink and oh, yeah. the way these guys just took advantage of these moron Nazis. It was a wonderful idea. Uh, and I think uh, Gilbert Gottfried did the best job of all uh, talking about. The, have you ever heard Gilbert Gottfried do the bit on pitching Hogan's Heroes? Oh, God, Gilbert Gottfried does this wonderful thing. He goes, I've got an idea for a TV show. We'll get Robert Crane. We'll get Bob Crane. We'll get a bunch of other people. Uh, It's going to take place during World War II. It's going to be a Nazi concentration camp. It's a comedy. Hey, that's, that's a pretty good Gottfried. That's okay, but yeah. that line, it's a comedy. Yes, a Nazi concentration camp comedy. Yeah. Just well, think about it. You know the original pitch, Tom. Uh, Albert Ruddy and uh, Bernie Fine, the creators of the show, their original pitch was to ABC, and it took place in a federal prison. Oh, so it wasn't going to be a concentration yeah. camp. No. So that's loads of laughs. That is interesting. down down on that and then with you know the the uh, memory of Stalag 17 the movie from the 50s yep, and yep. the great escape and von ryan's express with frank sinatra mm-hmm. they tweaked it and they borrowed a little bit here and there and uh came up with the heroes the heroes they filmed the pilot uh in black and white and it was the last pilot to be filmed that season and the first one to sell for cbs and then they said, "Well, we got to, we got to, you know, make it around a person. Who else can it be but Hogan?" Mm-hmm. So they called it Hogan's Heroes. Magnificent! I love the show. I, I I found it very very funny. Your father was a charming guy. I'm sorry for your loss after all these years. Forty years later, it's still look. I, I'm not his son, but I still miss Hogan's Heroes, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. just how I feel. It, it made me very happy as a young teenage kid, and and I'm sorry for your loss, and I, I appreciate all your time. Fantastic of you to spend all this time with us today. Oh, thanks, Tom. Continued success, 
and uh, I'm sorry for your loss, too, that well, you talked about. Thank you very much, Robert. Robert Crane. Okay. Thank, thank you, sir. You. Bye. Now, have you ever seen the show, Molina? Yeah. Andy, yep. have you seen it? I have not, actually. You've never seen I'm Hogan's I'm familiar Heroes. with it, though. Yeah, you're familiar with it. You've never seen the show, though. Uh, no, I don't think so. It's actually very, very funny. <laughs> I mean, it takes place in a Nazi concentration camp, and it's a comedy. I mean, it's, it is pretty interesting. But, yeah, it's one of those situations where now, if his father, 40 years later, or even, let's say, 10 years ago, so 30 years later, was doing what he was doing, he'd have been a big hero. He'd have been the Kardashians, you know? Uh they did the best. Look, you have to understand something. What he was doing was filming people. Uh, everybody gave their consent, from what I understand, and everybody was involved, and they wanted to be there. Uh, he was a star, and Bob Crane's a very handsome guy. And in the Kardashians' case, where everybody thinks they're just wonderful and squeaky clean and multi, multi, multi millionaires, their own mother sold the sex tape of her daughter to gain fame. So who's worse? It's pretty clear, isn't it? Yes. Pretty clear that the, the the world has changed quite a bit. But Robert Crane, what a nice guy, hell of a nice guy. I had a lot of great, really good guests today. Patrick J. Deneen was on with us today. Of course, David uh, Roberts joined us. David, unfortunately, it's really tough to talk to someone when they have to tell you, you know, I'm probably not going to live that much longer. That's yeah. very, very difficult to do. There's no question about it. A lot of comedy tomorrow. Jeff Dye will be with us. I don't know if Drew Michael is going to come in or not. He may have to work. He might not have to work. But Victor, uh, when I said Vinny Favorito's coming in, I'm pretty sure I interviewed Vinny when we were out in Vegas in November. That'll be a great show. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tom Bernard Show.